Hey everyone, super quick reminder, we are looking for anywhere from one to three hosts for our podcast after we're done with Avatar. You can find the application for that in the description of the episode below. And you know what else is coming? As we're nearing the end of the series, we're coming up on our Ask Us Anything episode. Because we'll be finished with the series at that point, all questions are open game. Send us any theories that you want to hear us talk about, plot or character details that we might not have covered, or anything you want to know about us. You can email us at airbenderpod at gmail.com or message us on Instagram and Twitter, both at AirbenderPod. That's A-I-R, Bender, P-O-D. We can't wait to hear from you. And now, on to the show. Hey, Tyler. Uh, yeah, Serena? Can you hand me the scissors, please? Um, yes? Can, can, can you hand me the tape, too, please? I'm busy. I need the tape. Sure. What what what's going on? Well, Tyler, I'm rapping. <sighs> Serena, that's not the kind of wrap up that we mean for this episode. Wait, what? No, wrap up as in like tie everything together. Oh. Like as in the Avatar episode? Um yeah, kind of like finish things out. Oh. Well, good thing you told me. Otherwise, I would have wrapped up our microphones. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> good thing. We kind of need those to record. <laughs> oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> I hate you so much. That was so dumb. You told me to leave. <laughs> and you did. <laughs> Good thing you told me, otherwise I would have wrapped up this microphone, and then I wouldn't have been able to say that I'm Serena Schreifels. And I'm Tyler Strandberg. And you're listening to The Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. On this podcast, we watch the Nickelodeon show Avatar The Last Airbender and analyze the plot, themes, and characters. At the end of each episode, we'll talk about who our favorite character was, as well as give the episode a rating on a scale of 1 to 10. You're listening to The Avatar Podcast. Yep, yep. Rapping. Rapping. You hear it? I'm rapping. Serena, I think it's kind of funny actually that um, we're still keeping that intro. Like we watch the Avatar, like the Nickelodeon show Avatar, because we don't anymore. We're we're done with it. Oh, uh oh. Do we have to redo it now? <laughs> I <laughs> hope we not. Say, on this podcast, we're done watching the Nickelodeon no, show. No, I don't know. But I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's weird that we're, like, done, it right? It is. It is weird that we're done. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll dedicate an entire episode to the series as a whole. This is good. But we need to give season three its due, its fair time first, and that's what we're doing today. We are reflecting on our opinions on season three. Um, and let's just dive right into things. Serena, what are your reflections on season three? Season three, un, deux, trois, season trois, season three gave me a reason to live. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's dramatic. <laughs> and yeah, you know, I mean, season three was dramatic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm st- I still think about the headband. Oh God. I See, still think I, about that episode. I still episode. think about the firebending masters because we like fought. Oh, over that we did episode. fight on that one. Yeah, I think that was maybe the closest I've ever come to like pummeling somebody. Oh, you lost <laughs> it. I um, did lose like it. for listeners, there's a lot cut out, but there was about 
five minutes where Serena was just up and walking around the room swearing at me. <laughs> I was. And that was all cut, obviously. But, like, she was mad mad. I was really mad. Which is, like, one of the fun parts about not sharing our ratings beforehand. Mm-hmm. It also, like, I felt like I totally blindsided you, so I felt pretty bad about that. Oh, and don't feel bad about your bad parts about not sharing um, ratings beforehand. Oh, no. See, I was being dramatic. It's just a rating. <laughs> yeah. No, but like if you feel passionately about an episode. Then exactly. What did you rate that episode? I think I book? gave that a 10. Well, I have them all pulled up. Yes, you did give that a 10. <laughs> I did give it a 10. Can I say something that might be... I don't like saying hot take, but it might be a hot take. Go for it. I mean, you know, I am not shy to hot take. This we know to be a fact. <laughs> um, there should have been more Iroh in season three. Yeah, I agree. Um, oh, so a lukewarm take. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I I understand why. So there is a theory that like after Iroh's voice actor Mako That's passed right. away in season two, they wrote him out of most of season three. Um, but that was a plan, like to begin with. I think the plan was that Iroh wasn't going to talk for. Most of the first half of season three, I don't know what their plans were for him in the later half of season three, um, but the plan was originally to have him in prison and not speak very much oh, in the yeah. first ten episodes, at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I uh, gosh, I forget that the the voice actor passed. What a gut punch! I know. <laughs> oh. <sighs> but yeah, do you have any other standout pieces or thoughts on the season? Oh, I didn't get to talk much about the headband. Uh, which right, right, the headband. Yeah, you like. Really I love that episode. Love I swear the to God, headband. that's gonna show up on your top five of season three, isn't it? I. Oh, no. I mean. Ugh. I mean, I'm pretty confident on my top or my top worst of season three. Top five worst. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm pretty confident know. on my top five worst. I don't know. Top five, bottom five. Exactly. Yeah, no, my top five and bottom five are all set for season three. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's gotcha. a series where I'm like, oh, oh I don't know yeah, what, that's gonna be... how I'm going to narrow 60 episodes, well, 61 episodes down to yeah. just 10. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, But yeah, I think that the headband is probably... It, it's it's my standout favorite emotionally wise, mm-hmm. or maybe not emotionally wise, but entertainment factor. Man, maybe not. You know what? I just love that episode. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. Maybe it's the fact that John O'Brien wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> just like, you and we know, got I to love talk John to him. <laughs> uh, I think about that day very regularly. <laughs> I think that was a great addition to season three, and I'm really glad that we oh, had the privilege sure. to do that. We reclaimed our honor. By talking, by talking to John, we. I, John think, I don't even know. I don't want to say I reclaimed my honor because I still don't like most of his episodes. I mean, he wrote the Firebending Masters, and I ripped it to shreds. You did. I wanted to actually. I wanted more of Toph in season three. I, I yeah didn't get because you know like Sokka had their own line. Um, Sokka. Aang, Zuko, Katara, and then they all went and had their field trips with Zuko independently, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, what about Toph? I mean, I think this also kind of gives into like why I don't really like her. She feels like she just heavily relies on her character just by like being this like tough, quote unquote, lovable character. You know, mm-hmm. she doesn't get much in the sense of writing or development or like visibility. There we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like she's just kind of we don't. 
get this story of how it feels like she joins the group and like we don't see her like start to integrate. We got like one episode where her and Katara fight and then suddenly she's just there the rest of the time. And oh, I know it's so disappointing. Yeah. Retros it feels very out of place for yeah. me. And I think it contributes to like why I don't like her. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely fair because, I mean, we obviously don't get the chance to get to know her more, Mm -hmm. um, which is such a crime. I do feel a little reprieved by Zuko's arc in season three. Mm -hmm. Like, that that makes me feel a little bit better. But my girl! Mm -hmm. All that that she really... Well, I think she did a lot, personally. But the, the standout moment in my head is the Melon Lord! That's like literally her like that's like her one Oh yeah, and then when she metal bends in the in the finale, but like hate the melon lord. I love the melon lord. It's so annoying. They needed more of the melon lord. No, I needed less of the melon lord. No, Tyler, you just didn't get to know the melon lord. Well, I mean, like even that's a great example. Like in their mock battle, like she doesn't participate. She's well, like she's the melon lord. Well, I mean, but this is my point. Like she is not like part of like the plan to right. take out Ozai mm-hmm. in their mock battle. You that's know, true. like she's not utilized. She's like the person they designate to be Ozai. And, you know, maybe that would have been different if they had more, like, mock battles. Like, maybe they would have been like, okay, well, Katara, you're going to be Ozai this time. And, like, Suki, this time you're going to be Ozai, you know? Mm -hmm. But I don't... It's... I don't know. It's weird. It kind of makes me feel like... So, I don't know if anyone else knows what the Fire, the Nintendo Fire Emblem games are. Mm-hmm. But there are like certain characters and they happen to all be female. There are certain characters um, in the game that are really weak, like from the get-go. Oh, wait. And you said they're all female? And they're all female. I, why, why would that be? Oh, I, I don't, don't know. It. Maybe because of the internalized patronistic misogyny? Yeah, Jesus. <sighs> because they're weak, you don't use them. And... Then as the game progresses, your your character, you don't use those characters because your other characters are obviously stronger. And I feel like it's kind of the same way where it's like, but when you do, because I did recently replay that game and I used all of the weak characters and now they're bomb ass, mm-hmm. like literally can do anything. They're amazing because we spent time on them. Mm-hmm. If we would have spent time on Toph, she would be even better. I, uh, yeah, I think she could definitely <sighs> use some more development. Yeah. So that's uh, my one major disappointment. My other major disappointment is I feel like season three was a little choppy. Yeah. And I love, I love, love, love the, you know, separate character moments like, you know, with Sokka and Katara and the Painted Lady and. I like all of that. I think that's 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 beautiful. I love to get to know the characters a little bit more, but it just jumps from story to story. Mm-hmm. And whereas I feel like season one and two really set up a cohesive story that kept pushing. Mm-hmm. You know, like kind of like a wave where like the story pushes and then you pull back a little bit, you get to know the characters, and then the story drives again. Yeah. And, and it felt choppy. And so I, I, I don't know. That's not to demerit it because it's. Yeah, obviously incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, like all of those episodes focus on Zuko too. And Zuko yeah. is only part of the gang for like 
what, maybe nine episodes or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's why, you know, because yeah. like they take the time to really integrate him into the group and you see him like interacting with all of these different members. And they didn't do that with Toph. They, uh, exactly. Toph, like they kind of yeah. just like threw her in and were like, good enough. Yeah. Even like <laughs> in most of her early episodes. So the blind bandit was like her introduction. Great, cool, perfect. But like, she suffers because, like, we already know all of the other characters. Even yeah. Zuko, we already know him. Mm-hmm. When he's trying to join the group, he doesn't need an introduction episode. No. Um, the very next episode, she's not there at all. It's yeah. Zuko alone. The very next episode, it is, like, a negative energy. She is fighting with Katara. Like, mm. it's it's not a great look. It's not a great setup. It's the not. one after that, she is teaching Aang. And, like, again, she is the driving conflict there. It's her and Katara and Aang. It's not a great look. Right after that, it's the library. She's not in most of it because she's sitting outside. Right she after that, it's the, the desert, which, well, yeah, she does. And, like, I'm not saying, like, no, yeah, I'm not saying, like, she's bad in that episode because obviously she saves them. But I'm saying, like, we don't see her, she's you know? She's so underutilized, like, yeah. She's, she's not in the episode because mm-hmm. they leave her outside, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. We don't get to see her interacting with the group and in the library more. And then even in the desert, like, she's kind of just the tag team because Katara's mm-hmm. keeping everyone together. Aang is, like, upset about Appa. Sokka's hallucinating. Toph is just kind of there. I feel like she's set up to fail. Yeah. And, like, I feel like the writers heavily rely on, like, Toph is super strong and really cool and a great bender to connect with characters or, like, right. connect with the audience. What if Toph was a male character and Zuko was female and Azula was male. I still think it would have been the same way. You think so? Yeah. Um, if anything, I think that it wouldn't work as well if Toph was male because she, or I guess he then, wouldn't connect with the audience because they would just see him as like an aggressive male character that doesn't have any redeeming qualities. It's true, but what... And I think it would work incredibly better if Zuko was female oh, because yes. like they would get all of those episodes to connect with the characters. Yes. <laughs> and like really, really, really integrate into the group. Yeah, see, Zuko could be Zuka and Azula could be Azulo. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yo, Azulo, crown prince of the Fire oh Nation. Um, do you have any other thoughts on season three? Um, I'm still thinking about Azulo, I'm sorry. Oh my God. <laughs> He's probably really hot. No, uh, <laughs> I don't want to think of a male Azula. That kind of scares me. Oh, it scares me so much. <laughs> you say that like it's a good thing. Uh, it might be. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's my overall take on season three. It is amazing. I'm not being dramatic when it literally gives me life. I, the wrap-up is very neat. Mm-hmm. It's not pristine, but mm-hmm. it is very neat. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't... I wouldn't write a letter to the writers, is what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I wouldn't either. But <laughs> right, but I feel like I'm, you'd be closer to yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, if you don't mind, I can dive into my reflection oh, yes, now. Please, um, go right ahead. I agree with you that season three is pretty choppy. I feel like season three is very, very similar to season one in Ooh. that, like, a lot of the episodes are just kind of like little episodic adventures. We don't get many episodic adventures in season two. We get like it's true. kind of the swamp. We get like Avatar Day. Which we're both. <laughs> like the Tales of Bossing Say. I mean, that's even kind of, you know, the, the only really episodic 
like adventure episodes that I can think of in season two are kind of the swamp and Avatar Day. Yeah. Like Avatar Day is the only definite one. The swamp is only mm-hmm. a kind of one. Which is maybe why Avatar Day was the least favorite. I mean, honestly, maybe. <laughs> but like when you think of season one, there's tons of small little episodic adventures. There's like um, the Kiyoshi Warriors. There's the King of Amashu. There's Imprisoned. There is the Great Divide. There's Jet. There's the Waterbending Scroll. There's the Fortune Teller. There's Bato of the Water Tribe. There, I, you know, I could go on. Yeah, um, I named a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, the deserter and the northern air temple are the other two. There we go. I finished it out, but still, that's that's like that's ten. Yeah, so that's half. Yeah. Half of the episodes are just episodic adventures, and here we get kind of the same thing. You know, we have the headband, the painted lady, Sokka's master, the beach, the avatar, and the fire lord, the runaway, the puppet master, um, kind of nightmares and daydreams. Um, the Firebending Masters. Southern Raiders? Yes, the Southern Raiders and the Boiling Rocks Part 1 and 2 and True. even the Ember Island players. You oh, know, that's yeah. that's 13 episodes yeah. there. So, like, we get a lot of just, like, small little adventures with the group. And I feel like it gives off a similar vibe to Season 1 in that sense and that, like, it is a little bit, it does feel a little bit choppier. I think they do it better though you know because I look back on my ratings for those episodes and they're all like pretty good I mean a few of them I give lower ratings I gave like three bad ratings no I gave two bad ratings this season um like lower than five where in season one they're they're all over the place I gave one two three four five six I gave six episodes a five or lower so like Season one, the writing was not catching me as much as the writing was this time. So Mm -hmm. I guess I do like the little episodic adventures, but Mm -hmm. it does kind of contribute to a more choppy season. Yeah, especially when you think about like season three being like the final act, you know, as we talked in our previous episodes about the story setup and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. Um, It just doesn't feel like there's as much room for it, but I do agree that they do it much better Mm -hmm. than in season one. Yeah. So I kind of want to talk about a few theories that have been plucked around or batted around. There we go. So the first one that I came across is the Hama theory. God, bend it (laughs) around. Thank you, sorry. I had to throw it right in there. (laughs) So the first theory I came across is the Hama theory. And this is a theory that um, the episode surrounding the Southern Raiders, when they went to the Southern Water Tribe and were looking for a waterbender, um, they were looking for Hama. Um, The theory is like... It checks out, like, she would have escaped around that time. So, like, they thought that she went back to the Southern Water Tribe and, like, they were looking for her. How else would they have known that, like, there was a... Katara was a waterbender. Like, they would have thought that there was a escaped Southern Water Tribe prisoner that just went back. And, like, the timeline, like, checks out. I want to hear your opinion um, before I dive into mine. That's a really interesting theory. I don't know if I completely buy into it mm-hmm. um, because just based on what we know of Hama, I don't think she would have gone back. It doesn't make sense for who she is and the vengeance that she feels. Mm-hmm. Like, no, she she would she would want that vengeance immediately. Yeah. Why why I mean, would she go back too, and endanger like, how her would tribe? She skip, how would she get out of the Fire Nation? You yeah. Know? Um, 
I, I feel like it. I, I feel like it's um, worthy of thinking about. I don't mm-hmm. feel like it's that plausible. Yeah, I I think it's an interesting theory. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to go as far as to debunk this theory. Oh, so yes. the timeline, quote unquote, lining up actually does not work out. Oh. So Katara is fourteen in the series, and her mother died when she was eight years old. That leaves six years in between. So Hama was already an old woman when she escaped. That means that she would have still been an old woman when she escaped. And we saw oh. clearly in the episode that she was not. Like, she was still at least somewhat youthful. She could stand up normally. And, like, she had color to her hair. It is very clear that she is not, like, an older-aged woman right. when she escapes. So this this does not check out. She, mm-hmm. she would have escaped probably years before Katara was born. It's an interesting theory. It really but is an interesting it, theory. It heavily relies on that timeline, and the yeah, timeline it doesn't does. work. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to another theory. So this is one that is on TikTok, and I tried looking for it before I talked about this episode, but I could not find the user, and I'm really upset about it. So if you know who this user is, if you know what the TikTok is, please send it our way so that we can credit this person. Um, but I thought it was worth talking about. So they made a TikTok talking about how in the Avatar world, Um, bending teeth would be made possible because Mm -hmm. teeth are made out of calcium, which is like a subset of earth, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then they go even further to be like, because firebenders can bend lightning, which is a form of electricity, firebenders should be able to control the brain waves in people's brains because they're just like small electric signals like sent between neurons in the brain. Um, So firebenders hypothetically should be able to control thoughts. Um, so let's dive into that. What do you think about like these deeper intricacies of uh, bending? Okay, I'm gonna ign- I'm gonna bypass the calcium teeth thing real quick because I have a huge problem with the with the lightning. Okay. Okay. So yes, firebenders do have the probability to bend the lightning, and we saw that done in the episode. It's incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. First off, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, just just like thinking about science, I guess. I don't know. So like when Azula bends when Azula and Ozai bend lightning, it's a very large amount of mm-hmm. lightning, if you will. Mm-hmm. And the 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 signals, the synaptic signs, things, whatever in your brain are are minusculely small. I think if you were trying, you'd have to be God, I think, to have that amount of power in order to control something that's already so difficult to control in such a small manner. Mm -hmm. Um, When you're acting and you have to like do a stage whisper, you have to use more breath and presence to get that across than when you do if you're like yelling. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies here as well. Like you would have to use more control and more power to actually manipulate something that small and also that powerful, because thoughts are really powerful. Like the synaptic things in your brain are really powerful. That I guess I learned in college. <laughs> but I don't think it's possible. Like I don't think in the Avatar world that benders are able to have that amount of power. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my stance on the on the lightning thing. Okay. Do you have an opinion on the um, calcium teeth thing? Kind of. I mean, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess um, since you just talked about the lightning thing, I, yeah, I'll skip over that, that too. Yeah. Um, I am willing to entertain the possibility. Mm-hmm. I would go as far to say that I think it's possible. So let's 
take a look at the steps here first. First, they have to discover that brainwaves are electronic, like oh, signals that true. are getting sent. Um, and I don't, I don't think that'll happen for years and years and years in the future in the Avatar world. Um, and also, like they are minuscule, so like you would need to be an incredibly controlled bender. Yeah. I just don't think that theory will ever be tested because I think there would be a lot of casualties involved. Oh, absolutely. So I just don't think that'll ever be something that comes to fruition. Um, but I, I don't I don't want to say it's not possible. I just don't think it ever will happen. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. It makes me think of like, Lobotomies, yeah, like and gone I mean, like, wrong. You could like go as far to be like, oh well, they could test on animals first, and I'm like, actually, yeah, that does kind of make sense. Like, I can definitely see them like gathering a bunch of elephant rats to try to like test this theory, you know, because that's what Hama did when she was learning bloodbending. Mm-hmm. So like, clearly, they don't care about testing on animals. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least evil people don't. And if mm-hmm. evil firebenders are going to test this, it makes sense. Hell, if evil firebenders are going to test this, they could just even test it on humans. That's but, true. Like, Realistically, I think this is this crosses the line to be too yes. difficult. Yes, I agree. On the calcium thing, I think that it's possible. I'm kind of like more on your stance with the lightning thing, where like I am willing to entertain that thought mm-hmm. uh, because yeah, calcium is a subsection of Earth. However, where's the? There has to be a solid line drawn that you can't cross over. Mm-hmm. So like. Calcium, yes, is a part of Earth, but so are so other many minerals. Mm -hmm. Like, can you manipulate all of those other minerals by themselves? You know, so like, where do you draw the line? Uh, But I do think that a really talented earthbender would make a great dentist. (laughs) Well, that was that was like what came behind it. They're like the like orthodontics like should be possible in the world of Avatar. I I'm a bit on the opposite end. Oh, okay. I don't think this is possible, and actually, I think. It was already proven that this is impossible. Yeah, so earthbending is made possible by bending impurities in the earth. Like, obviously, if you bend a rock, you're not bending, like, pure gold, you know? Like, gold is on the periodic table. It cannot be deduced further down into anything else, Mm -hmm. you know? Same thing with calcium. Calcium is on the periodic table. It cannot be further deduced down. It has no further impurities Mm -hmm. in it, which is why Toph is able to bend steel, because steel is a mixture of a bunch of different things, like, involving earth, and she's able to bend the impurities in Earth. Um, they answer this question in the Legend of Korra in that, like, they make metal out of platinum, which is, again, on the periodic table because platinum is, quote unquote, too pure of a metal to be bent. So I don't, earth bending relies on bending the impurities in the earth. And if you are literally just trying to bend an element on the periodic table, they already answered that that's not possible because it doesn't have any more impurities to it. It's already the most pure form that it can be. Okay, well, I changed my mind. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if teeth are pure calcium. Oh, that's true. I, um, I, I, so yeah, if I don't they're know. not, I might be willing to entertain that idea. But also, like, teeth aren't earth. Teeth right. are bone. So, yeah, teeth are oh, bone bending. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, awful. That's, that's creepy. Oh. Bone is not earth. Earth right. is like dirt, rock, yada, 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 which is why they can bend metal because... 
they use different forms of rocks to mm-hmm. create different forms of metals. Also, you have like nerves in your teeth. Oh, gross. I don't like oh, this. Sorry. I think it's too far of a stretch. I don't think that's mm-hmm. possible. Mm-hmm. I would be willing to entertain that like the brainways are possible. I do mm-hmm. think it would mostly result in like casualties. Oh, yeah. I the think teeth thing me. I don't think is I don't think mm-hmm. is possible. Because again, you know, if they ever test out the brainwaves thing, if they test out the teeth thing, they probably actually more likely would have tested out the teeth thing mm-hmm. already. Yeah, in their in their timeline mm-hmm. in Avatar, and that maybe won't lead to casualties. I don't know. I know teeth are very important, and mm-hmm. um, I dream about my teeth falling out, which means I'm stressed. I mean, like so. there are really good earthbenders who can control even like tiny little pebbles, and oh, yeah. so like I think that would be make sense. Like. There wouldn't result in like casualties or injuries right. if mm-hmm. you tried to bend teeth because you can find a really good earthbender to do it. That's true. Um, a really good earth dentist. Yeah, but teeth, teeth aren't earth. <laughs> I'm a toothbender. <laughs> All right, so we are now at the point where Serena, I'm asking you if you would change any ratings. I'd be willing to knock a few points off of the Firebending Masters. Oh, shit. So you wouldn't give that a 10 out of 10. I, I actually wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10. Oh, okay. I think the points that you brought up were, I was just very emotionally attached to that episode. Mm-hmm. I'd also give the Boiling Rock part one and two both 10s. Really? Yeah. Okay. You gave both of them nines. Oh, yeah. I'd bump that. I bumped oh, that baby Christ. up. Okay, well, now I need to do this math again. What would you give the Firebending Masters then? Uh, probably an eight. Okay. So does that average out? <laughs> Did I just move all the numbers around? Okay, so you changed the Firebending Masters mm-hmm. from a 10 to an eight. Yep. Boiling Rocks, part one and two, both from nines to tens. Yes. Is there anything else you can think of? No. Okay. Would you change any? I reflected a lot mm-hmm. on the last episode. Oh. I gave it a nine. And it was really, really, really hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> so so let me walk you through my process. Okay, okay. I had all this information of like what it is, and this is usually how I rank an episode, right? I go, was it a good episode or a bad episode? Like, did it leave me feeling good or leave me feeling bad? If it felt good, it's a six or higher. Bad, it's a four or lower. If I'm pretty in the middle, it's a five. And so for the longest time, I was kind of like, well, there's some really, really good things, but there's also some really, really bad things. Does that balance out to make it a five? And eventually I settled on like, no, it doesn't. Like it's, I don't think it balances out. I overall feel pretty good about this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was like, okay, well, it's not a six because a six is like, I don't want to touch that again. But sevens are usually episodes that I generally enjoy, even though they have some pretty major flaws. And I was like, is that what I'm going to give this episode? Like, is this episode a seven? And I thought about my nine rating. Mm -hmm. And a nine we define as like awesome, nearly perfect, you know. And seven, it was kind of just like, oh, pretty major flaws, you know. So I knew it was between one of those two, and I wasn't oh. willing to settle for an eight. I wasn't going to be like, no, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's pretty good, because mm-hmm. I felt like that's either like, it's not great, and the, or like the problems aren't major, you know? And I it just felt too in the middle for both of those. And so I decided to keep it at a nine. Okay. Because I do feel like this episode is 
nearly perfect if it weren't for those problems. Oh, yeah. And they are some pretty glaring problems, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that detracts from the quality and emotional heft of this episode to the point that it should Mm -hmm. to warrant bringing it down to a seven. Okay. So all of that to say, I did not change any ratings this season. Oh, that's a really in-depth Thought process. Thank I, you for sharing. I thought that. about it a lot. I was super torn about it. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I need to give uh, other things in my life uh, that much. Oh my more god, me five. too. Honestly. <laughs> okay, um, let's move on to favorite characters. Serena, Ooh. who was your overall favorite character of season three? Okay. So, I will let you know that for the character you picked most often. Do you want to take a guess? Zuko. Yes, you yeah. chose Zuko six mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. Who was your favorite character? <sighs> that is so hard. Maybe this is what I spent my brain time on. <laughs> it's, um, you know from the, the our last episode that I'm in love with Azula. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love the femme fatale. Like, uh, oh my God, I, I hate that I just said that. I feel like such a No, an you're expat. totally okay. <laughs> You did choose Azula four times. Yeah. She tied with Katara, who you also chose four times. Yeah. Because they're both my badass women. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, and so I was like, okay, so does the – am I going to choose my favorite character based on the overall arc or based on the enjoyable moments, mm-hmm. you, you know, that you felt? Like, am I taking it cohesively or step-by-step? Step? Cohesively, I – would definitely pick Azula. Okay. But step by step, I'd definitely pick Zuko. So which one are you picking? So I had to go overall and pick Zuko. Zuko? Really? Yeah, I had to pick Zuko. um, Because as much as I am a sucker for the drama and for Mm -hmm. and the friendship and the breaking of the hearts. and I feel. Trust me, I feel. (sighs) I went with Zuko... One, because of all of the time that they spent integrating Zuko into into the gang, mm-hmm. you know, you, you're kind of preemptively primed to like Zuko, mm-hmm. obviously. Zuko was a major leader in the gang, mm-hmm. and I think without him, the gang wouldn't have been as well off as they were, obviously, because Aang wouldn't have a firebending teacher. I wish that I could be as dramatic as Azula, but I'm more like Zuko. Okay, mood. I I can relate more to Zuko. Mm-hmm. And so, actually, I think I relate to Zuko more than any of the other characters uh, in season three, especially um, with, you know, Zuko's inner inner turmoil and his eventual redemption and coming to terms with who he is and, and what his destiny truly is. It's just really, really, really beautiful. And none of the other characters have that. Yeah. And also, I'm still dead crying over Zuko and Iroh's reunion. Reunion! Yes. yes, that's the word I was looking for. So I had to go with Zuko because of the relatability uh, and because of the step-by-step entertainment value. Mm-hmm. I can get behind that. <sighs> no, can't we all? I know. I mean, I love Zuko, so... <laughs> yeah, so that was mine. No surprise there. Yeah, so my favorite character... Um, I, mine was actually a three-way tie. Really? So I chose Aang, Zuko, and Katara four times each. Oh. Yeah, 
which really surprised me. I did not know that it would be that evenly split. Yeah, I'm um, surprised too. I think too. it was close in like season one. Um, but yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> it, it has never been like a three way tie. Um, <gasps> Dang. My, I decided to go with Katara. Oh, yeah. Um, I do love Zuko. I love him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Katara has been this backbone throughout the entire series and even this season, too. And she deserves her due. <laughs> so, hey, you're right. I love her so much. And mm-hmm. I also was swung a little bit because I chose actress Katara for the Ember Island players. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. I. That did kind of swing me in her direction, but <laughs> yeah, she's she is just amazing. She's mm-hmm. so great in this entire series, and I felt pretty justified giving her my favorite character for season three. Oh yeah, she is definitely a Pisces for sure. That backbone. <sighs> she is a Cancer. She is not a Cancer. Fight, me Tyler. I am a Cancer. Am I a backbone? No, I'm a pretty flaky. Bitch. <laughs> <sighs> okay, whatever. All right, Serena. <laughs> What did you give an overall rating for this season? Your average rating was 8.9. Oh, that's actually farther off than what I'm giving it, which is an 8. Really? Yes. Shit, okay, wow. Yes, unlike how I approached choosing a favorite character overall... Uh, where I uh, where I kind of went like episode by episode and then like compiled all those feelings together. Mm-hmm. I gave my rating based off of like the overall ebb and flow of the show. Mm-hmm. And as a cancer, I am driven primarily by emotion mm-hmm. and by story. Mm-hmm. I couldn't justify. I obviously couldn't justify um, giving it a ten yeah. for reasons that I guess we could talk about in our series wrap up. But I couldn't give it a nine either. For reasons that you mentioned, the the finale had such an amazing opportunity to be everything that it could have been. Mm -hmm. And as the final act of the season, I felt a little bit let down. So I couldn't, I definitely couldn't give it a 10 and I couldn't give it a nine because of the choppy flow that I felt if I looked, like if I were to binge watch this all in once, Mm -hmm. I I would feel less satisfied than watching it one one at a time. And it is a little bit unfair of me, I think, because I do compare it a lot to season two. Mm-hmm. Um, because season two is set up so well mm-hmm. to give season three like that fireworks, like, oh my God, up in the lights, like yeah. absolute wonderment. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they capitalized on it as much as they could have. And that leaves me feeling disappointed because it is such an amazing show obviously don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but the the ebb and the flow was enough to take it off another point where i just couldn't feel it in my heart like if the lightning was going through my body it would hit my heart you know and then i would die okay so i wouldn't be like zuko where i would just narrowly miss mm-hmm. you know it would hit me straight on mm-hmm. and and for that i gave it gave it an eight yeah. It kind of breaks my heart to do it, but I, I have to do it. Yeah, I think that's okay. So I'm going to move on to mine now yes. just so we can talk and compare. Um, so my average rating was an 8.2, oh. and I also gave this series an 8. You did? Yeah. What? Not the series, the season. The season. The season. Wait, I gave this on. season an 8. Yeah. I did not see that coming. Yeah. So um, 
I think this season sits at a pretty consistent nine out of 10. You know, it's Mm -hmm. always like very satisfying, but always kind of like leaving me wanting a little bit more. I'm always kind of like, this is really, really good, but there is just nothing that stands out. There is nothing that is above and beyond, you know? Mm -hmm. There's an episode here or there. I mean, I think I gave the most 10 out of 10s this than any other season. Um, but even those tens, I felt very like lukewarm about them. Right. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm kind of just doing this because of the huge emotional impact of like one scene, you know, not like an overall episode. Mm-hmm. Um, like the eclipse is a great example. It's just the scene with Zuko and Ozai where it's like, okay, that's a 10 out of 10. Overall, though, the episode's like an eight, you know, like if you take mm-hmm. out that scene, it's a pretty solid eight episode. Um, same with like the beach, you know, you get uh, that yep. scene at the beach and you're kind of like, wow, that's amazing. But even that episode overall, it's like a six or a seven. I think the finale really could have made or break this series, you yes, know, like yes. if it was amazing and blew me away, this could have been a 10 out of 10 season, but it was pretty lukewarm. It had mm-hmm. quite a few problems. And I think that was like going from the almost perfect at a nine out of 10 to just yeah. brings the season down to, it's just, it's just a great, it's just, it's a pretty great season in general. Yes. It doesn't quite reach the highest highs mm-hmm. or even the lowest lows, right. you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's consistently very, very, very good, you know, but that last, that last episode was kind Oof. of like, uh, good job, but I wish there was a little bit more. Yeah. So, oh, for sure. Wow, uh, I did not expect us to have the same overall rating. I really yeah, think. I'm going to be honest. Like, I had it at a nine for the longest time, but I've been looking at it, like, over the past day, and I'm like, that's not right. Like, mm. that does not feel right. It is not. Follow and this was heart. also kind of going in with my mix of that last episode, yes. where I was kind of like, with that last episode, I can't justify giving it that high of a rating, mm-hmm. you know? And there's no glaring problem, so it's not like a right. seven. It's just great, really entertaining. Yeah, really good. Nothing nothing really more than that, though. Mm-hmm. So. Hey, yeah, uh, really good. Yeah. yeah, good job. That's all we have for this episode. A huge thank you goes out to producer and audio engineer Aaron Bogan, along with their production company, Son of M Productions, and Annie Galloway, who made our cover art and is our graphic designer. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because it helps more people find us. And don't forget to tell a friend about the show or, I don't know, share the show if you like it. Please feel free to reach out to us. Our email is airbenderpod at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram, both at airbenderpod. That's A-I-R, Bender, P-O-D. I'm Serena Trifles, the co-host of the show. You can follow me on Instagram at Serena underscore Trifles. That's S-E-R-E-N-A underscore S-C-H-R-E-I-F-E-L-S. I'm Tyler Strandberg, the host, creator, and head writer of the show. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, both at TylerJohn7. That's T-Y-L-E-R-J-O-N and the number seven. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week. With our top five best episodes. Top five best, top five worst. Wrapping. It doesn't wrap real because my my hands are sweaty now. And the sweat has infused the paper. Oh, no.